1: Greetings and good day, and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with a good heart. It's good for all of us to be here. You're listening to First Forces Radio and Tios Ghost Horse, sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Esopus, or what Americans and Dutch call the Catskill Mountains. Regardless, it is the highlands of the in and lands of the Muncie-speaking Lenape. This is an all-native-hosted, all-native-produced First Voices Radio, and Liz Hill is a producer of First Voices Radio. You can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First FirstVoicesIndigenousRadio.org for archive, downloading, and listening. In a country where land is seen as a commodity and a means to generate wealth, what does it mean when the land has been stolen? democratizing wealth is not an easy topic and in order to sort it out we must rectify a past filled with enslavement genocide brutality and thievery indian collective defines land back as a movement that has existed for generations with a long legacy of organizing and sacrifice to get indigenous lands back into indigenous hands and according to nick tilson Oglala lakota Indian Collective has an overall strategy to shift power, decolonize wealth, and resource Indigenous peoples who are on the front lines of fighting for justice and equity. Rooted Resources was a weekend festival that shone a light on localizing economic power to nurture solidarity, awareness, and action. It was recorded at the Rooted Resources Festival, hosted by Good Work Institute in May of 2022. The panelist, Kapiolani A. Laronel, who is Hawaiian, Haida, Tsimshian, and Filipino nations, and Teogasengostors of the Minikoju Itazipchola Lakota nation. In the second half hour, there will be some answers to questions that were inaudible, and we hope that you will get the general gist of the question in the answer. And now, the recorded interview with Micah as the host. The topic, Land Back, the many-faceted complexities that many Americans may not understand. Thus, for clarity, we bring you
2: land back. Conversation filled with a lot of nuance around what land really is and and what that, what it really means for us as we begin to really even think about what it means to democratize. What What does it really mean to be in communication with each other, with the land itself? What does it mean to actually those really basic lessons that we learned when we were in kindergarten sitting around a circle were sharing. Well, sharing seemed really important then. Like, what does it mean now? And what does it mean on land that's been taken, land that's been stolen, land that has had people enslaved and worked upon it? Where are we now and how do we democratize wealth in this way today? And so I'm really happy to have Again, Capiolani here, Chiokas and Ghost Horse. We had an amazing conversation even, is that yesterday? <laughs> Jesse, yesterday in regards to all this. So I just want to just first open it up with these, these two words um, from both of you just get your take on just the idea of land back and what that means. Why is that? And
1: Okay, I probably will take a different tact as far as um, not contrasting but maybe including another perspective. Native in this case, Lakota. But I want to describe what land is in my language and try to apply it to the English language. And well, basically we would say Maka, which in noun form means land back, but there's much more meaning to it, so maybe I should explain that. Maka is basically who we used to be, who we are, and who we will be. And Ake means again. So we want to restore the memory of this land that is a source rather than a resource. So it's not delineated down into property values or even the logistics of what ownership is. Because when you come back to the indigenous folks of at least Terl Island, that we still call it, is that there's no sense or there's no word for ownership. But the language I'm using now is often looking for, well, why isn't there? Why can't I wrap my head around that there's no ownership? Uh, Stewardship is still not, sufficient enough for those people who are in environmental movements so for me it's it's the memory and do those indigenous peoples have and are they able to enact even reenact the memory of how to sustain the land not sustainable development or progressing with democratizing or even tying it to property and it's all based on one thing I learned in, in Auschwitz a few years ago with my uncle And uh, at the end of the day, after viewing Graves in Auschwitz and Birkenau, he he, uh, asked down, we we sat down and asked him, is there a word for domination in Lakota? Immediately it was no. No word, no concept. Because you cannot relate to anything other than humans, if you use domination. Relationship is not just humans, anthropocentrically, it's Those memories of trees, the land, and all that moves above the surface, on the surface, and underneath. And so that goes into a deeper sense of being when you say land back. It's much more than gives that piece of land so we can develop it, make a garden, make it good for humans when we're actually, that's the premise of making land poor, making animal poverty. Making indigenous poverty and eventually making capitalism or democracy poor when it comes to eating, drinking, because we're only viewing land back anthropocentrically.
3: Aloha mai kapi'olani. I'm a native Hawaiian, uh, kanaka maoli. Haida and Simpsian, so on my, my Haida side that's from Southeast Alaska, I'm Eagle Clan. Um, the people of the tall grass is where my family comes from. Um, <clears throat> when we think of land, you know, I'm wearing this T-shirt, it says O-E-V. Ev is bones, bones of our ancestors. So we talk a lot about um, when we're getting our ancestors back, we're getting our E-V and we're taking them back home. <clears throat> and um, O-E-V is actually a native person, native son or daughter of a land of that land. I am an oeevi of Hawaii, meaning um, so the root evie literally means bones of the land. So we understand that um when we're we're taking the Evie, our ancestors, their bones, that they belong to the land that they came. And so when we th- when I think about land and the concept of land back, I always, Um, tell people that the land is the people and the people are the land. How we care for the land is how we care for ourselves and each other. And um, the concept of land back for myself, um, I think, is there's some tension there for me. Because I don't know... um, I think, yeah, in the greater context, I think that the way that we think as as I, as a Native Hawaiian, as a Haida, as a Simpsian, as a Filipino, it doesn't fit with my conceptualization of land, right? I can't own, I cannot own um, my my ancestors or my people, but they are me and I am them. And it's complex, but I think when um, Tsiokushin shares like these... This deep layer of meaning—the um, source of how we know and understand land—is so different from how people understand land today, because it has boundaries, um, property lines, it's owned. And so, I'm really excited to be able to share a little bit more about, yeah, how, how we have these types of discussions.
2: Tiokasin, um, yes, yesterday you mentioned point of being in relationships to the land, in terms of what can I do for, for my mother. I'm just wondering if you can speak about that a little bit, that relationship.
1: You know, the default that I'm speaking here, all our thoughts have to go to English. or default, or go-to, is how do we come up with a solution in, to the problem that the language caused in the first place, as I say. Ownership causes it. It gets in the way of understanding relationship with the land. So when I'm I'm speaking about um, the relationship, I often am looking at the land, feeling the land in my language first. I dream in my language, I wake up in my language because it's the language of the land. It's not a foreign language like I'm speaking now. See, And, and these nouns, these nouns that I'm speaking in don't exist in the old Lakota, it's all verbs. So how can you find conceptual perspective in our language doesn't exist because everything is alive to us and we use dead as if they were still here sitting in that empty chair which to me that's what it's for, it's empty because our energy is still here of our people. So the land is the same way, it's kind of waiting for people who think in property and ownership and domination to wake up because that gets in the way of really relationship and relating to the land and feeling the vibrations feeling the nuances all of that that we we, we it's calling for now because we we get as far as terminology is saying climate change and my people are like what what is climate change that's it's workable it's manip- you can manipulate that and take it to the UN you can take it to the cop twenty 20- Cop 21, 22, 23, 24, where I've been to. And it, it's all about complexity and making it look like it, as if it was the trendy intelligence, but it's really intellectualism. So we're tending and, and to find bypass words to describe relationship with the land. And to me, it, it's always about what's the next trend to come along? what What happens after post-capitalism what happens after that then everybody's going to share but no it's really going back to the root where no one wants to say it is post-domination domination Domination will still be here regardless of what system because the system is domination
2: you know both of you touched on land back and that it's tension filled even as a concept and, and I know at least yesterday and I think it might be helpful for people to to understand a little bit more this this concept that even land back is still kind of playing the game of that, that we're in, right? It's still within the confines of the very system determining it. Is that right? I wonder if if both of you could speak on that a little bit, but I'll, I'll give it past to you first copy on. Well the concept the the
3: um, hashtag landback was actually, I think, prior to that uh, land grab, mm-hmm. and I uh, believe it was started by the Indian Collective. Um, the CEO of the Indian co- Collective is, I think, Mark Tilson, um, who also is um, owns part of the company Tonka Bar. That Tonka that Bar. Um, he's Lakota. I don't know. I don't know. Um, where in South Dakota he might be from. But essentially, that land back really took precedence and and became part of kind of mainstream uh, after George Floyd and during the Black Lives Matter movement. And it was a way, it was a form of solidarity solidarity between um, Black, Indigenous, and other folks of culture. So it was a way to really, in many ways, it kind of, pushed forward this uh, movement for solidarity. But at the same time, um, when you think of it in that framework, right, of this, this positioning, there were a lot of, there's a lot of um, action and movement being made in communities of color. And then therefore it's like, oh, we gotta think of native people and we gotta give the land back, let's just give it back. And so it's problematic in many ways. Is Because for many, uh, especially reservations, for many tribes, if you give the land back to people and they're dispossessed of any type of money, for they, they don't have the ability or the capacity to be able to, for example, in Oklahoma, a portion of the land was given back to the tribes there. They didn't have the capacity to be able to have law enforcement enforce now American citizens on um, what was what's now owned by these tribes. And on top of that, tribes were not allowed to then tax American citizens on the land that Oklahoma gave back to them. So there are all these really, really complex issues that I think people really need to understand when it comes to, if we're gonna ask people to give our land back to us, what structures have already been in place that that has restricted us from even doing anything in the first place with it um, and that's my perspective that's my personal point of view but um so we have to kind of really step back and and think about really think through what does that mean when we ask for land back
1: yeah and, and it's good because it's a point of contention always to default to what does that mean of course in this language we're always going to the domination language a dominative language to explain it to them oh please we're beggars and we're wanting our land back now so we'll speak a begging language and then we we, we perform and we're within the rules and regulations of that default domination then we'll get our land back bit by bit right but it's not going to happen because that's too laid in place um, you think about it land grab isn't that what happened when Columbus got here? Isn't that what continues to happen? So how can you stop that monster from within all of us, really? I remember when it was American Indian, hyphen. And I remember it was Native American without the hyphen. Then it turned into Indigenous peoples. And at the time I started the radio program 30-some-odd years ago, it was people thought Indigenous was a plant That's how ignorant it was. I mean, really, 30 years ago. And since that time, the American public has... Their vocabulary was 30,000 words spoken. Now it's 3,000 words spoken by the average American. 3,000 words. It's lost that much. So how can I understand... How could they understand land back? 30 years ago, what happened was... Okay, now, in 1995 when I was studying uh, um, the Office of Finance and Budget and through the U.S. Census Department, they were delineating racial groups. And the last one came to American Indians, Native Americans, indigenous people. And we had to prove who we were. The only group had to prove who, who we were. Speak the language, be recognized by the community who speaks the language and or prove that you have a degree of blood. So we were the only, if we didn't meet two of those, you couldn't be native. It's paper genocide. Here we go into the modern times, and just a few years ago, they started putting us black indigenous people of color. And so now we have to work through this one. Let's put it in order. Indigenous peoples, black and people of color. I'm not too sure about that. Maybe people of culture, because a system that owns property does not want its people to think consciously that it's people of culture. And who has culture? Native people. And we're losing it because of terminology like that. So therefore, land back is contentious. It's, it's war-like words. We're coming to get back what was already ours doesn't make sense. If it was stolen, what does that mean? Give it back. And you really, really want to give what happened to land, the pollution, all of that back to us? And then we're supposed to clean up the mess? See, there's a lack of responsibility, even in the word land back.
2: Um, And speaking about language, it feels important to mention here, um, Susan, my colleague and I, at Good Institute, um, we often talk about the word economy, because eco and economy comes from the Greek word oikos, which means home. And what does it mean when our language has been reduced, constantly is reduced? And so now we don't think about the management of home which could be our houses, but also our land, where we are, right, our planet. If economy actually meant the management of home, and that's what we thought about, that concept might be different than when it's just been narrowed down to money. And now when we think about economy, we only think about money. And it's quite possible that a limited language actually limits our ability to conceive. And so I think it's really interesting as both of you talk about land and talk about the words that that aren't matching up the language that you speak which is one of as you were saying is one of verbs it's one of of actions it's one of being that like and what happens when language then gets diminished and this whole concept of what do we do with this our mother and when it gets reduced to like lamb back and like what this language the owning of language has done to us
1: this subjugation language this objectification language This noun language, this problem-solving solution, look for a solution language, without ever thinking about the language as maybe it's the problem. So we're using the same language to wake up with that put us to sleep in the first place. And we don't want to go there. But we have therapy for that. We have trauma. We have, you know, we have therapies for that. Psychology will delineate your energy and you got to pay for it rather than, the actual medicine, because it's profitable not to think about the earth first. It's profitable to think of humans first, a very anthropocentric view.
3: It's it's interesting because I'm thinking of all the times in Hawaii when um, I would go out to, to different like sacred lands with my uncles. And um, that this concept are, we, we always have this saying, aloha aina, aloha aina. So it's um, love of the land, right? It's that idea that it's not, it's mine. It's that I, I have a love for the land, aloha aina. Aloha, ha is breath, sharing in the breath of life. So when I say aloha to, to you all, it's sharing in this breath of life, in this moment. Aina is that intimate connection between our life and the life of the land, and so um, yeah, I, I mean it's it's just like for for myself it is difficult to to kind of um, to have a conversation about what it would mean to have land back. It's it's I care so much more about um, individuals like you all, possibly who care about. The land I care about the people who care about the land because we we know and we understand um, the value of it in a different way when we can be in relationship when we can Aloha aina when we can be and breathe every and that's that's the thing is like we we don't walk away and we don't say okay um, I'm gonna take off my Hawaiian hat and we are we live we live in our values very clearly and um, and I think that's what makes it easy for if we're going to go to New Zealand or any other country we already know and understand each other in a way um, where we have a relationship with the land and so there's a a way of being in a culture um, that speaks similarly
2: So this culture doesn't speak of land so similarly right we speak about land as domination, occupation Extraction, wealth, um, something to own, to occupy, something to hold on to, to hoard or give back. Um, And so just just wondering what this culture of land, kind of what that means for you.
1: If I look at it, Mickey Mouse and McDonald's as culture, it makes me laugh because it's fairly new. It, it's fun culture based on money, something that we've charged the earth. Basically, you think about it, we, Earth gives us free water, free food, free everything, and yet look what we do to it. And we say that's freedom because we can charge each other for something taken without ever asking, without ceremony, so to speak, without expression of the land, and we put it into the, the money aspect. When I was 14 is the first time I got what money was. You mean if I give you something, you're going to give me something back? And you call that reciprocity? And I learned when I was growing up, you give something, you don't expect it back. But I learned differently here because it had a different material value. As well as uh, money-wise up here, well, how much am I worth? So this culture is based on how much one owns, the wealth and how much meritocracy, how much degrees you have, whatever. The privilege, the access to more money, that's that's not culture to me. We have culture. You're talking about 100,000-year-old culture. Which one am I going to default to? The three or four, maybe even 5,000-year-old civilization that came out of Greece? So everything here is baby. We always look at whoever came here as... Younger brother and younger sister. We see that, obviously, still haven't learned how to live with the land. And that's all we're saying. Learn how to live with the land before the land takes itself away from you. I think it's you should be giving land back to her. Stop trying to save her. This is my view. Stop trying to save her because she's doing that already. She's saving it. So what do we do as Native people from home? That's why we can't figure out what climate change is. And how could you give land back when Earth doesn't understand that?
3: Yeah, the idea of like we have to, instead of um, demanding things, we have to take care of the problems that are happening. We have to take care. The planet is, is we understand, yes, it's going through changes. Well, let's take care of it. Let's do it. It's time. It's time right now for us to um, focus on the things that um, are going to affect all of us. That's it's the, the truth of things. This is yeah. going to all come down to to affecting all of us.
1: And it is important to know that a lot of our languages do not have the word for exclusion. That's what relationship is about, to always include. Always. Because what does exclusion create? Division. So you can't leave anything, not just humans, out. Now you have a language of, from what I, my studies, multi dimensional languages, multi, like quantum physics languages that understand dimensions with one word. And I was explaining to, to, to David what Mini means, and we all drink water here, right? Mini is voicing the living relationship between you and I and all things, and you call it water. And water is equitable. It doesn't discriminate, doesn't judge, doesn't dominate. We speak these languages through these elements and inclusivity. So, what Keolani is saying is that's what it is. We can't leave you out. And I often go to the metaphor of our language is so inclusive. Well, why am I on, on a little tract and island of a reservation in the middle of North America and they don't think about us? They left us out of the equation if their language is so equitable. Equality. And equality doesn't even exist in language because that's what we do. We're free because that's what we are. We don't look for freedom because that's what we are. And yet you have a civilization looking for it all the time. My default is going to be Kapilani's language, which is an earth language. And it's hard to come from that conceptual mind to how do you do that? But then I don't have a, a manual in my back pocket to show you how to do that. It's, it's a non-instructive. You can't teach it. You have to live it. That's why there's a living language. These are living languages. When I go to Hawaii, I see the language living it. Unlike the Black Hills in South Dakota and vice versa, there is, is a way that moves and, oh man, this is so cool. Even though when it comes to Kingston, Okay, what's underneath this? Is anybody thinking about what that is? That's land back. Give land back to the earth. I think we can do that, that's what I think. We can give it back by taking what we've done to it away and let that energy come through. These are not ideals. I mean, to me, they're not ideals. Because if that's where we come from, why are they such idealistic to a society that's searching for them? keys welcome on your return rooted resources was a weekend festival that shone a light on localizing economic power to nurture solidarity awareness and action it was recorded at the rooted resources festival hosted by good work institute in may of 2022 panelists were capiolani a larino of hawaiian haida simshian and filipino nations Antiochus and Ghost of the Minikwoju Itazipchola Lakota Nation being emceed by Micah. And now, the second half of First Forces Radio.
2: A funny thing that the dividing lines, the boundaries, property lines, borders, that in a planet of endless life, only one species gives a damn about them. Nothing else does. And here we go to war over them. Um... I wanted to maybe just, especially with this concept of land back, I can imagine that people come and and that there's struggle. For some people there's like, wait, how do we give land back? For some people there's, you know, I want to find out. I'm really curious because I feel like I need to make retribution in some way. And then you also land here and find that like, actually, it's more nuanced than all of that. We're talking about land in a very different way, and so I just wanted to maybe make some time for, to open, just open up for questions. Because maybe it'd be, make sense that people would have them, right? Like, how do, we, how do we struggle with this? We're talking about even approaching land really through a whole different process. And I think one that, at least when I hear, one that's really based in, in our values, not based in, in money. And so to me, it's really a question of how do we live in our values, um, which I think is really at the heart of democ- democracy and democratizing wealth to begin with that we have to actually live in our values, these deep values that I think we all actually have. They're not so foreign to us, which I think is also what you were saying, right? Systems of care is not so foreign to us. Sharing, this basic concept is not foreign to us. And I think we all desire to actually be in right relationship with each other and with the land itself. And yet, everything seems to get in the way. Everything about our culture seems to tell us Right when we want to share, something seems to have us recoil a little bit. Like, well, I got to think about my, I might, have to ho- I might have to hold on to this because I got to worry about tomorrow. And I can't really worry about you right now. There's so many things that seem to interrupt that. And so I wanted to open up just some space for folks to ask questions, especially while we have Kapiolani and Tiokasin both with us right here. Does
0: there need to be an end goal, or can we just start with
2: relationships and good faith relationships um, and these intentions of, like, coming together
3: on the land? Yeah, it sounds like you've really thought this through a lot, and and, and what it might mean for you and and the land um, that you take care of. Um, I'm not sure there's ever an end goal, right? There's never a goal, because if you are in relationship... um, and, and and practicing that, my experience has been is that if you can practice that and be in relationship, learn from the land. Um, right? We don't kind of say um, I'm going to do this to the land and then it's going to be done. But that can you know what does the land teach you? How do you build relationship with the land? And what you will find is that we have to go in flow with what you know, indigenous folks may not be here presently, but the the land is here. And that um, there are other folks around this area um, who are also native, they might not identify as it, but once you start to cultivate and, and, and be able to share with people your commitment to indigenous people, then you start to naturally bring people in. We're already doing a lot of programs. Like there are tribes In the New York state, there are areas in New York state where there are a lot of native people doing things already with the land. Um, There are a lot of elders who are gathering. And so one thing that I've seen emerge from the work that I've done is berry picking in Washington. They have seasons for that. So we invite um, elders to come out and and their families and the children to come out and and berry pick and do the things that they're already doing. And, and we also have to keep that in mind. Like we, we we already know what we're we are we're already doing things, and we already know how to use the land. It's just we don't have a lot of trust. It's been a long time, and so cultivating relationship is is important and it's key. And um, like what Tiokasen said, is like we we have to release our expectations of what might come about. And you do it in the right, in, in the best way possible, with, with, with good intentions, and you can you consistently check in with folks who are connected to Native people to support you in that.
2: The focus, not necessarily, it seems, sounds like you're saying the focus more on on my
0: on my relationship with the land and, and learning from the land itself, and also
2: relationships with with Indigenous folks in that happen.
3: Yeah, and, and and like on a more like a very specific like kind of building partnerships with native organizations that are already doing land work. There are organizations out there and there are tribes out there that are already doing things with their children. It's it gets com- I mean it, I I would love to hear your perspective. Oh, yeah. It gets complex. It gets so complex. We ha- we we have a, a Lenape friend Steve. I'm going
1: to take a little different viewpoint of that is more of a point of um, history, I guess you'd call it, spiritual history, if you want to call it that. We've put so much prayer, so much way of living with the earth here in all of Terliland, buried so deep. Even our prophecies say that these new people will come and it'll take a while for them to, to get it because they're eating our food, drinking the water, learning. But what, what's happening is they, they're claiming even that naming like things like organic, you know, all these labels on things that are already existing. I mean, I could go to, to hear German chocolate. I'm like, what's that? What's Swiss cho- What is that? This is where does it come from? In that prophecy, it says, when you begin that this generation, these generations began to eat our ancestors, our bones, the consciousness starts coming alive in these new peoples, which are Americans. That consciousness of Earth is going to be needed at that time. And that's what you see is happening now. So, but then you go back to the value, is which system is teaching its people to make decisions through the bank? And which value system, which value is still teaching, showing their people how to make decisions through the Earth? There's a difference between that. We must see the differences. Now look for the the little similarities here and there. need to accept the differences. I go places where I'm never invited back because I'm speaking too much truth. I'm, sa- I'm not saying the things that other Native people are hired for, and that to me says they've been affected by colonization. Still speaking, we're doubling down on the colonization by saying, oh, it's all right, you, you, it's okay, you know, but where we're, where we're coming from, there's no room for guilt, sin, blame, or any of that, it doesn't exist so that clears it out you're not giving land back to feel better to feel benevolent it's where it's a one-way thing it, it came to you and now you're learning its lesson and now you can't do that anymore that's just how it is stop doing what you're doing and how does that go how much how does that enact itself well the earth is going to lead the charge by saying well Look, you're not respecting me. I'm going to take away food. I'm going to take away water. I'm going to cause fires. I'm to so no, for people forgetting ceremony with the earth, and we turned everything into dogma, even property. you got to remember the history of this country, which I think it took four or five scripts to to really get the Constitution out, life, liberty, and the pursuit of property, until finally he said pursuit of happiness, an illusion. But it hid... Property underneath it, because you were told in the feudal system that if you own property, you were you could have a castle on that property, and then control resources around it to make yours the castle. So that's where domination comes in. As Americans now, doesn't matter what color you are, it's the value system of that property, of that money. Doesn't matter what color you are. It's ingrained now. So I'm just saying this is not your do's and don'ts. This is perspective that needs to be included. Um, I can't tell you how to, but I can show you by experience what that is to us. A Kantu is basically the Earth being from the ancient future now. The Earth being from the ancient future now. now you know, the, the New Agers use to be here now. They used to use that a lot. Well, we've had this forever future doesn't make sense to you if you don't know what the past is all about. So the future of this country and progress thinking is not going to make any sense because right now it doesn't make any sense. What sense does this make to the earth? Think about it. So in that way, it's maybe stopping and being right here at this moment without the guilt, the sin, the blame or even the hope don't talk to me about hope because I do not like that word because you have to do something without hope there's a lot of I mean we have the experience of, of that these words like what is to me what is colonization and decolonization these words were made to say like people of color is another word for multiculturalism they're just more words to disguise what the intent is so sustainable development like what is that really? Putting civilization, this civilization on top of something sustainable so that we can get privilege from it, access to it, better food, better whatever. But sustainable sustainability is what the peoples, especially in the Amazon, are, are are protecting, trying to protect sustainability. The Aborigines are still trying to protect the land. In Standing Rock, it was about protecting. But we are being colonized away from protecting and learning how to be warriors we're learning how to steward the land in other words that's a form of ownership really look at it you have to look at the etymology of the words that we're using because that's what it's about steve newkin and our friend we talk about it all the time we talk a language we don't even know the root sustainable that means maintaining sustainable something that's already here earth does that already we, we're adapting Earth to our needs rather than we adapting to Earth's needs. That's sustainability.
3: Yeah, I think that has to do too with, you know, when I think of places in the islands where I used to go to, these taro patches would actually use the natural water, freshwater streams um, located kind of like at the foothills of a, a mountain. Um, they would use the natural waterways that were created already in order to build that tarot patch. And um, so there's no need to, e- I think what Jokisin's also trying to express um, is that there, in that setup, there's no need to kind of rework what we have established. In, a, in something like a taro patch because we are working with the land. And, we ha- and and I think that's the challenge of sustainable development is now we really have to fix what, it, what we've broken. And so it's, and then that becomes another, if we can only go back and adjust ourselves to the waterways, then we will not, then it will last forever. Thank you so much for your question. Um, I I always like to share with folks, if you can go back to your own ancestry, or if you can go back to um, beginning to understand your own history and where you come from and your family line, um, that gives you a lot of power. Um, Power in the sense of empowerment and understanding where it is that you come from. Um, Many of us have a homeland, but we've forgotten and so remembering through your own lineage is the place to start because naturally it'll take you back to a land and, and a culture and a people. There are some people who are adopted and they're like, I don't know, what, what would happen if I was adopted? How do I, How do I work that? I think all of us still have the memory of land within us. So we have to start there. And if adoption, if we had new parents, that were brought to us in our life then we look to them we look to the things that reflect the land and you you kind of just i think for myself i just think it's you you kind of begin to uh in my culture we really lean into the other languages like dreams or um whatever our elders tell us or teach us but the main thing is, is like to try, to try to understand that piece of your own history.
1: I want to answer it this way. It may take us to uh, maybe another understanding of it, possibly. My mother is 88 years old. She speaks the old Lakota language. In the old Lakota language, not the new language, by the way, it's based on nouns. Because they're adjusting to this language. In the old language, you cannot speak Lakota without intuition. Think about that. You cannot speak the language without intuition. And that means, what is a tree? What is all of those beings without speaking the language that we speak? How do they do this? Their intuitive values, their intuition is is their language. They're closer. They're living with the land. They learn how to live with the land. They're using the, the land properly with the tools that they've been given. So in a sense, maybe it's about learning that intuitive. I was with some, I guess, as an American, I could say I was with some uh, foreigners the other day from Netherlands and from Germany, and they both came up to me in their accents. And he said, we have no ancestors in Europe. Of course, we know our lineages, goes back to so-called king, king, king. And that was linear, linear and they were looking at that but we don't have ancestors we lost the connection we lost relationship with the land so i think about this country how many people have taken a dna ancestry test that's to me signifying even native people are doing that it's affecting all of us but it's not going to get all of us and that doesn't mean native people but other people too it's not going to get all of us Inherently, that intuition is somewhere there, and that's what Mother Earth is calling for, looking for, weeding out is that intuitive value.
2: I wonder if we've got one more, maybe question or comment from anyone. Well, I mean, what's approved in this system
1: is NGOs, what's improved and approved in this system is nonprofits but you still have to be approved by the government. So there's no way out of this system unless you are really truly traditional before America. Those pockets exist and that's the pockets they're trying to get rid of. They want to democratize those pockets. Vote, participate in the system because it's, that's the reality, they say. And I know that it, there's another way, I know this. What can we do right now about the problem? Is there a solution to the problem? And I merely go back to recognizing do not put indigenous peoples up on a pedestal because that's separating them. Do not put them below because that's separation. Engage with them actively, put them within your circle without domination. And that's what NGOs do Nonprofits do—they're still coming from the domination.
2: Um, I want to begin to wrap up our time, especially feeling really grateful for the time that both of them have given, and wondering if there's any any parting words or wisdom.
1: I may have some words, but no wisdom. <laughs> no, I just—for me, it's my uncle who's gone now. But he, being in it with my radio show, said there's a way to live with the earth and a way not to live with the earth. We choose the way of the earth so you can go with your AIC to another planet if you want but your body stays here
3: just like OEV when I talked about OEV we are natives we are of this land EV is bones the bone it inherently the bones belong to the land that it comes from
1: Thank you watching Tanka, I want to thank you all for being here. It's good for us to be here because the earth heard us first. Earth will hear us last. No matter what we think of ourselves as superior or inferior, she still loves us. Rooted Resources was a weekend festival that shone a light on localizing it, economic power to nurture solidarity, awareness, and action. It was recorded at the Rooted Resources Festival, hosted by Good Work Institute in May of 2022. The panelists, Kapiolani A. Larinal, who is Hawaiian, Haida, Tsimshian, and Filipino Nations, Antiochus and Ghost Tours of the Minikoju Itazipchola Lakota Nation. And I'd like to thank you for joining us here on First Forces Radio. And this perspective as a view from the shore, still watching the ships, oncoming ships, still landing, and from that point perspective, you go out there and you celebrate your holidays and you do what you need to do to find a way to express what you maybe haven't yet. But I do know, and in conversations I've had before with other humans, the being comes from nature. And if you feel like you're not being listened to, then maybe it's humans that are not listening to you. Where the earth is, earth is listening to you. And that's where I find a true listening because look what she has allowed me to live within. And it is a point of reference always for me. Again, not the bank, but from the earth. Again, (laughs) Doksha Ake Wachinktelo. I'll see you again and I do this because I want you to live we'll see you next time